Welcome back to another episode of Fret Buzz the Podcast. My name is Aaron Sefchik, and today we're going to be getting into part two with Barry Privet of the band Carbon Leaf. Before we do that, though, if you're enjoying the show, head on over to iTunes and give us a review. It not only helps us out, but it also lets others know why they should listen to the show, too. And if you really, really enjoy what you're hearing, head on over to Patreon and become part of the Fret Buzz the Podcast team. I also want to mention the songwriting club in which you can sign up at fretbuzzthepodcast.com. Again, if you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button. We've got a lot of good topics and guest hosts on the way. And with all that said, let's jump into part two with Barry Privet of the band Carbon Leaf on Fret Buzz the Podcast. I had the opportunity to see Carbon Leaf um, just telling the fans out there. I got to see Barry in action about a month. It was actually the night before St. Patty's Day. And uh, you're playing Elevation 27 in Virginia Beach, which is a new music venue um, at the old Jewish Mother building. Um, You guys had, it seemed like a lot of people knew you. I mean, I guess this is hometown for you. But it, it did seem like a, an adoring crowd, and the energy was really high in there. Thank you. That was that was a little that was a little bit of a loose kind of sloppy show, just because we were playing up there. It was St. Patrick's weekend, and you know how that goes. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, somebody bought I think bought everybody shots on stage, and yeah, had the Irish tunes. Ball, yeah. Right, so a lot of some of that stuff was a lot different experience than you would if you went to uh, different venues, and, and we also know kind of like there's certain 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 regions have a, a different experience with the band, and so sometimes you you kind of put on the dog a little bit and act more like a party band, and and then other places you're kind of more <laughs> a little more refined and um, you know. Uh, trying to present yourself more not seriously but um, just with a little bit more um, class or reservation <laughs> I don't know. Um, do you do you normally play the penny whistle at shows I mean you know so the whole the whole Celtic side of our thing you know there was a time where we you know we had a couple of albums that really it back back in the early 2000s you know it was a big influence and there were songs off Echo Echo that had that kind of influence. And then in 2013, we released kind of a straight up Celtic, original kind of Celtic um, inspired album. Um, so it's, 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 a, it's a thread that's through the music, but if you were to actually take our whole catalog, you know, the Celtic stuff would be about one fifth of it. Mm. But because there's a penny whistle or whatever, it's it's very distinctive. It's it's what t- people tend to remember a lot about. So it's um, it's not a gimmick, but it's um, a little goes a long way. And I know you know I'm very I'm very limited in my my ability, so I can't really do the the music justice in terms of the traditional sense of the Celtic music. Um. But it's kind of a fun diversion. Yeah, it's like I have a I take my harmonicas to shows and I'm in no way a great harmonica player, but I am like I can play 
I don't know, I use the right harmonica for the right song and that goes a long way. But it is like, I could play the best guitar solo of my life and then I pull out the harmonica and play for, you know, <laughs> 20 seconds and people are like, man, I loved when you played the harmonica. I was like, man, it, like I didn't put my life's work into the harmonica. No. But they love it. It's just, no. a, it's a, something different. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's the the novelty of it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. It's ex- it's ex- an excitable, unexpected thing. And I actually really enjoyed the novelty of Carter had the lead guitarist for you guys had at least ten different instruments on stage, probably more. Yeah. Um, it really kept the music fresh, and you know, one song he's on a Fender Stratocaster, the next he's on a like an electric cello and then he's on a i think yeah. he had mandolin and did he have a banjo up there yeah banjo. i mean there's just so many different sounds that gave each song a different texture which really helped keep the whole concert fresh and interesting yeah and that's and that's something that we've always valued because um you know going to see a show where a band is playing the same instruments i mean no matter how good the songs are and all i mean for me it is it is exciting to kind of have a a diff a scene change you know and i'm lucky we're lucky that you know you have a bassist that plays upright as well and you can play the boat bass and our drummer can pick up a guitar and um you know um and carter with all of his instruments so it it just allows it allows us to go to different places and keep us from getting bored you know mm-hmm. yeah remember you guys did like uh like the eagles when they do seven what's the one where they're all just singing seven have all the harmonies yeah you guys did something like that which was very good yeah did we do it around the one mic you, did we do i think mic? so yeah yeah uh, oh at the end yeah um uh yeah you're constantly trying to trying to have a a bag of of tricks that you can switch up you know actually i think you turned off the mics yeah that was unplugged yeah yeah it's really quiet you got really quiet in in some rooms that works a lot better than others the the beach show that was a little bit of a border but um it's a good way of it's a good way of like connecting um to the audience like after you know two hours of of plugged in music to just let everybody hear the room for a second is is kind of a a jarring uh, experience it really you know people get caught up in talking and just the whole experience but to you know i remember some girl was talking beside me and somebody like jabbed her in the (laughs) the ribs and they're like hey this is serious you need to pay attention it, it really get, does. It forces everyone to focus. It can get ugly sometimes, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, people pay people pay to come into a venue. It's not it's not necessarily their responsibility to to pay attention. You know, it's 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 our job to uh, to engage people. But um, um, some sometimes it gets annoying. But usually we just roll with it. Yeah, well, it was it was very effective there. I felt from the audience. Good. Yeah, there wasn't any, you know, the girl felt bad. It wasn't 
she wasn't mad that somebody told her to be quiet. It was a positive <laughs> thing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so have you had, it looks like you and Carter and Terry are, are you the only three original members? Uh, yes. Cause other guys look my age. They looked. What do you say? <laughs> well, they looked. I mean, they looked really significantly younger, and I don't mean that in a bad way. No. The um, Terry Carter and I are original members. Our bassist uh, and uh, drummer are um, are not. John, our bassist, has been with us though for eleven years. So, you know, he's oh. actually he's actually at this point been with us longer than uh any other bass player right so he he's our fifth player um our first guy was with us for you know just like two or three years and then quit soon after school and then we had um and then we had another guy jordan with us for about 10 years and then and then we went through like three or four within like the course of a year before John joined. So he's been with us 11 years. I mean, he's, he's in my, in my mind, you know, he's carbon Lee's bass player and, and for all intents of purposes, not the founding member, but you know, I mean, he's the guy. Yeah. Um, and, and then our drummer, Jesse um, has been with us for uh, about a year and a, almost a year and a half now. Yeah. And, um, yeah, a year and a half. So, uh, you know, right now I, I couldn't be happier with the lineup. I mean, I, it, I hope I hope this I hope this stays the way it is. We we work really hard, um, and I mean, Carbon Leaf wouldn't be here without the contributions of everybody that has played with us. You know what I mean? Um, and we're we're lucky to have them, even if it was for a brief time certainly lucky to have jason who was our drummer for 10 years prior and um and jordan who played bass so um but but as far as the as far as the makeup and the way we get along um i feel like there's a lot of great potential there so we're just starting to now with jesse just starting to getting into songwriting again because we spent a couple of years just restabilizing you know right um getting right. those players getting getting this all I mean, sometimes you're just going to have that. I mean, you guys, I'm sure know. I mean, it's just you spend so much of your time just trying to get in the room with someone and get acquainted and see if it's going to work out. And yeah. I mean, the fact that any band can survive, you know, getting each of each each of them having lives, uh, having other dependents, having wives and kids, and yep. you know, all of these all of these factors that that come into play. I mean uh are 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 extraordinary yeah Um, now are you guys all located in this in the same region so you are you you guys do band practice uh so our drummer is in boston um which is the first time you know we've had a player kind of way out way out of town right um but uh it's working out um we practiced a ton you know in our in our youth we would practice every night um right and then when we started touring a lot, um, that practice time became, it, it, it came down to like, you know, we get together and, and we rehearse for a tour 
or we get together and we write. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't just get together and like practice unless we have like a real good reason. Like for going out on the road, right? We get together and we we scrub up what we need to scrub up, and you know, if we're in the studio, then we're we're doing pre-production or or I have a batch of songs to present people and say here's the next project and then we start you know working through it um but the days of kind of just hanging out and getting together to to practice um doesn't happen tons um unless we're just like this is a writing week come into town so i would say that would kind of be our rehearsal okay so you so you have dedicated slots of time where you guys kind of get together and then go over pre-production or any of those kinds of, uh, of ideas. Do you do any like Skype or Google Hangouts or any, anything like that where you guys talk together as a, as a conference type of thing at all? Not, not yet. Okay. Not yet. Um, that, that day may come. Um, uh, but, but right now it's just live. It'd be nice to get that organized, but we just haven't gotten that organized yet. Yeah. It's always interesting to kind of hear uh, different bands' perspectives on how they actually go about um, getting that, um, kind of like what you were saying before, that that that, that vibe between the however many of you are, the five of you or the four of you or whatever it is, kind of getting to know each other a little bit more and making sure that that, that vibe is there and being able to bounce ideas off of each other. Yeah. Um, is that something that when you, because um, I know the three of you have been together since the beginning, is that something that you guys kind of generally talk together about? Or is that something you do mostly on your own? Or does the two guitarists work together? Or is How does that process kind of work? Yeah. I, again, earlier it would be, you know, uh, guys either writing on their own or, the, or two guys getting together for an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we actually, the band met in february um jesse flew in and we we spent a week um basically just coming up with ideas and and so we came up with um pieces of music we probably came up with like i don't know maybe like 40 40 pieces of music 40 Mm -hmm. songs or whatever right you just kind of go all day take turns kind of with ideas um and so and then we've done that once before where we rented a beach house. This was back in 2012 and we set up for a week and, you know, we'd make breakfast and by 10 AM we were writing and we would do that with a break during the day. We'd do that till 10 at night. And that was, that was really great. And came up with like 75 pieces of music. Mm, awesome. Not, wow. n- nothing, nothing that was lyric driven, but mm. that was stuff to give me. Right as a kind of concentrated way of, of combating the fact that we're on the road or, you know, living our personal lives outside, you know, the band let's, you know, instead of just getting together a a night or two here and there, let's go in and treat it like a thing, seven days. Um, it seems to work out pretty well like that, just kind of like just the immersion approach and everybody's creative and loose and, you're allowed to kind of just live and work in the same space. Yeah. No, that sounds, um, that sounds wonderful. Actually. I, I think that's great. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a great way to get a lot done. 
Mm -hmm. and and then not have to worry about you know juggling this this balanced schedule um of course there's then then they wait on me to kind of come back with whatever i'm going to come back with well like i said like you were saying before it gives you on the other side of it uh you know walking away with 75 tunes or at least ideas that you can kind of sift through and depending on where you feel inspired come up with you know an album's worth of material versus you know going into it and saying, okay, we got to come up with 10, 12 tunes to make an album that gives you more of the, the freedom to kind of just explore. Yeah. And, and, and that was the way the first few albums were, you went in and you, and you created 12 track, you know, 12 songs and you cut an album. Um, over the, over the years, we've accumulated enough demos where, I mean, I have, I mean, I have decades and decades if all I did was write. I mean, we have like, I have, I have, so I take, I take everything and I put it to my iTunes and I create playlists based on the way a certain song sounds to me. And um, I have, I probably have like 15 different folders where I've, I've either broken things up into genre or uh, this sounds like a, this sounds like a song for a Christmas album, or this sounds like, you know, a great summer song. I just, just name file folders um, loosely. I, you know, I have stuff, write, write these songs at night, or I have songs that say, write these songs during the day. <laughs> just kind of breaking things up in different ways. And then I can pull from those playlists, depending on where I am, what I'm doing, how much time I have. And um, we have 900, we have 900 unfinished songs like that and they could either be a, just a riff or something i something i recorded while i was driving you know yep. on the iphone or a full-fledged band song um kind of just waiting so it's a nice it's a nice flexible space to be in because it's it's because we've we've moved past the point of having to have the whole band necessarily show up and work on something right even though we still even though we still do that and we'll just add we'll just add it to the pile so if we have 40 pieces of music and i know that there's probably six of them that are gonna make it to a project within the next two years we still have a lot of stuff to work with down the road right right even if we broke up even if we stopped touring you know i mean we could we'd still have decades of material that we could right yeah and release yeah um just out of because i come from a little bit of a an engineering background uh that always fascinates me the studio world and recording uh you have mentioned a couple times that you guys had have built your own studio um what was that process like um and if you could tell, I'm going to be a little selfish if you could tell me a little about like what the studio is and what you, what kind of hardware you guys are using and uh, what's in your studio. That uh, always just like intrigues me. <laughs> and uh, I wish, I wish Terry was here right now. Cause he's our, he's our main engineer. You know, he's our, and this is the thing, this is part of why we're successful is that, you know, there are some specialties that, that each of us has that yeah. don't. Right, and if it's one, if it's certainly one thing that's carried us very far is Terry's ability to, um, you know, be able to successfully engineer, um, you know, the recordings. Mm -hmm. um, so he, uh, 
and he's out of town right now or else he'd be here, but, um, uh, to answer a few of those questions, but, um, he, uh, he, he got a, when we were just out of school, just form, forming carbon leaf, you know, that was his, his job out of college was working at a recording studio in Richmond in, in your ear was the studio. And he basically said, you know, I'll, I'll, um, I'll, you know, I'll do whatever. And he's like, right. and they, but they they literally put him in the lobby answering phones and sweeping floors. And, um, and then they put him in the dub room and, you know, he started learning how to make dubs and then they put him in, um, you know, as an assistant engineer to the B, the B, uh, the B seat, you know, the B engineer and worked his way up to B engineer and then assistant to the A engineer and then worked his way to being an A engineer at the studio. So over the course of, you know, seven or eight years, he became legit, legit. And actually we learned a lot. Um, they, the studio let, at the time they let us go in after hours and made our first couple of records meander uh shadows in the banquet hall ether electrified porch music were all made in the off hours at that studio so he would work a full day i would be off working my day job or, or the management stuff and then we would meet at night and we would record uh through the night yeah. And when you're young, of course, you can do that. You know, yeah. you can like get get an hour sleep and do it all again. Yeah. And so we learned a ton sitting there in the dark, you know. And when we, um, you know, we made we made Echo Echo, we made Indian Summer at a different studio. You know, this was back in the early aughts, you know. And, you know, we spent like $80,000 making Indian Summer at a, at a, at a studio. And some of that contest money that we used from Pontiac and all that, we used to make Indian Summer. Insane amounts of money. Even even by those standards, we spent way too much, but it just it, it was what it was. Right. Um, we were we were creating we were creating in the studio that was billing, you know, at six, seven, eight hundred dollars you know, for the day. We didn't come in with the fresh with, with a batch of songs well rehearsed and let's record it. We were we were creating, you know, we were like it's like oh the savvy road we're like you know <laughs> let's invent it um so you know after those experiences uh as the new technology you know kind of you know was put into the musician's hands pro tools and whatnot and terry mm -hmm. was very kind of astute and kind of you know learning these things we realized that we could make albums cheap uh cheaper when the record label said we'll pay you fifteen thousand dollars for your fourth release on the on the label we were like well we can probably make this for six not not you know not having the gear yet but um anyway so when we left the label um we said let's just build our own studio and mm -hmm. you know we we kind of borrowed the money I don't know, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. I think it put into the studio, and um, and so we use a Pro Tools rig, and um, and uh, upstairs is where I am now, and um, it's a it's a detached garage. Upstairs is the editing suite. Okay. So I'm kind of sitting at the at the you know there's a monitor here and speakers, and this is this is where he and I would sit and mix and produce the record yeah downstairs we have um 
the studio space where the drums are set up and all the good, everyone has their own station and um, everything's mic'd up and kind of ready to go. Okay. So we can kind of come in and get, be set up within, you know, a fairly short amount of time to either, either demo or, or record. So at this point now, if we, if we are recording ideas, they are, um, they're mic'd and, and everything is, 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 um, ready to go so that if the demo becomes you know the the demo the demo can easily become you know the track right 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 and that's not like it's not like we're just demoing and then we'll go officially record you know everything sounds really great out of the gate yeah and by the sounds of it that's something that just that studio is something that you guys only use you don't you don't like you don't resource that out for other people to come in and record no Okay. No, we just, you know, it's set up to do it e- easily enough, but we just, we don't have the time. Right, you know? right, right. I didn't know, I, I, I don't know what um, Terry's um, background is. I don't know if he would, if he would want to do something like that as a side project or not. Uh, I know I would. <laughs> I enjoy that. Yeah. Process. <laughs> I mean, he, he definitely enjoys, he definitely enjoys that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but typically if there's, if there's time that he has, you know, to work on this on music, it's going to be carbon leaf stuff. I mean, there's there's no shortage of things that we have that we need to do or want to get to. Right, 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 right. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not it's not really we're not we're not really in a position to side hustle. You know, we're we're pretty we are pretty around the clock on, on carbon leaf stuff. Yeah, well, that's nice. That's that's nice that you have that available to you to kind of just take advantage of at any time at any moment where you're feeling the inspiration. You just go down to the studio and you lay some tracks down that's 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 great yeah all the projects are you know again in pro tools and i can you know i can kind of sit here and and you know pull a mic up and i can record my own my own vocals or scratch usually for each project once that once we've tracked um i'll come in at night in the off hours and i will um and i'll record my vocals kind of like this standing up and all but um and then do playback and i'll just i'll make the rough edits of what i want and mm-hmm. then he'll come back through and he'll clean it up so um it oh. works up works out pretty well yeah that's great you know we got I mean, the studio got flooded last year um, while we were on tour so we had to, oh, no. <laughs> had to deal with that is that from the hurricane that came through you know what uh it wasn't the hurricane it was just a really bad rain uh, june june 1st we were up in maryland and and um the um something in the system in the in the neighborhood got blocked up and this wall of water came down the the cul-de-sac oh. we're at the very end of a cul-de-sac and it just came it came gushing down oh and, no and put a foot of water in the base in the uh, downstairs <laughs> so um i don't know it could have been worse but you know it was about twenty five thousand dollars worth of damage wow so and we're still trying to, you know, I mean, it's it's back to normal, but we're trying to um, take the opportunity to um, upgrade things down there, just make it a little nicer. Yeah, yeah. So with Carter, I want to jump over to Carter's guitar playing a little bit because we do have, you know, Aaron and I are both guitarists first and foremost. Well, Aaron claims, I, I guess your studio stuff is equal to it, but yeah, I um. Your live shows did feature Carter more, I think, than 
a lot of the recordings, at least that I've listened to. I won't, I don't claim to be, to have listened to all your stuff, but I've, yeah. I feel like in the live show, he really um, stood out. And I think for guitarists like that can be important to, to see that where in your discography could somebody who loves guitar, where could they hear more of that? Um, Is there a certain certain album that or certain songs that he's featured on more? Uh, live acoustic and in Cinemascope is a is a live a kind of acoustic uh, album, a double album that's got a little bit more, that stretches out some of the songs a little bit, like we do live because mm-hmm. um, the um, you know there's really really it's more like kind of. Uh, a song or two each album has has you know some of carter's features like um in indian summer has um um let your troubles roll by with the solo um and echo echo has you know maybe today where there's this kind of jam at the end but usually it's not like um here's the jammy record you know um i think as we do more live stuff uh which we want to do more more live album kind of things um you know we might have some of that some of that featured and even some records that might actually be full on a jammery or a fair again getting back to kind of how i have things playlisted you know there's definitely definitely some stuff like that um that just need uh, a modicum of lyrics and uh (laughs) and the rest could be the carter show but um you know we record all of our live shows and we put them up for you know 10 bucks and so you know if, if people want to hear you know a lot of that um we will do it we used to do a lot more than we do now um i think um just trying to think back it's you know shows from so long ago um i think at some point we were like um what are we are we a jam band or are we you know we're like this kind of hybrid like folk rock band with me who's a lead vocalist and a microphone um what do we want to be you know i know the band can jam you know six ways to sunday i don't know if that's the phrase or not but it sounds good Um, (laughs) we'll take it we'll take it yeah (laughs) and we've done that in the past but it's like you know are we you know what's 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 the point like are we playing to like the one guitar player in the room or are we you know you know who who are we trying to um impress and and why and um yeah where's the ba- i guess where's the balance of you know performance and and song because we've always been like a song oriented band not just get up there and do a couple of obligatory you know lines of verse and then and then go off in the solo land you know and there's a lot of bands that do that yeah and that's what they're there for i think those we talk um through this podcast to all the different artists that we've talked to and even me just listening to tons and tons of interviews with bands um it's the bands that have a tendency to redefine themselves or redevelop themselves that kind of uh, have the most success. Uh, I know we've used people like Herbie Hancock as a, as an example, or just the bands that um, and you take any band that you can think of and how over the years 
um, the bands that have a tendency to kind of discover new angles on music, um, they have tendency. They have a tendency to kind of have the most success with their fans because, you know, the the fans are along for the ride as much as as anybody. Um, it, sure, it's it's a it's a hard game to play. That's for sure. It is a hard game to play. There's a um, there's a wide spectrum of interest from our fan base. I feel like some bands, you know, they have. I don't know how to put this without it sounding like a positive or negative on one side or the other, but you know, some artists might have a certain group of people who ha have a more collective mind about what they're, what they want out of an artist, you mm -hmm. know? And then I feel like, um, I feel like for us, we have, we have a wide spectrum of ages, um, you know, from, from, from kids on up to, you know, older folks and everybody in between, we got some people that want to hear the Celtic stuff. We got some people that don't want to hear the Celtic stuff. We got some people that want to hear more, more jams. We got more people that are, that are, you know, that want to hear a lyric driven performance, you know? So it's, it's really just kind of having that balance. And, um, at the end of the day, kind of being like, this is the best we can kind of do with the two hours that we've got. Right. And some some regions of the of the country, you you do have uh, you do shift your strategy a little bit, you know, um, so that um, you know there's certain rooms that are just that are more attuned. It's and you don't know this until you go through and, and play them several times. You know, sometimes you go to a town and you're like, gosh, are we we are we bombing? You know, and it's like no, they're just they're, they're like really listening. They're like looking at you and being like, this is you know I'm I'm into it. Whereas other places you go and they're just like bonkers, you know, it's like Chapel Hill is like a very list. It's if they're, they're like very attuned to what you're doing. And if you, and if you play and get real quiet, the room will get real quiet. Same with Burlington. Um, the cat's cradle. Is that where you play in Chapel Hill? Yeah. The cat's cradle. Um, I love that place. And they're like, you know, they're, and they're, they're like moving with you. Like whatever your idea is, is their idea. But then you've got a different re like Virginia beach is a good example or, 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 uh, St. Maybe St. Louis. Um, where you know there's it's just a kind of like a, it's a very the room is like breathing in different places you know and you have to kind of you have to like corral people a little bit more right um or maybe not be as, as subtle so uh it, it just changes kind of where you depending on where you go i find that even in just playing only in the virginia beach area i i have to change what i'm playing every night based on, I mean, within my repertoire, but you know, one bar might be a brewery has a very different vibe from somewhere in the ocean front or tourism. And then you know, go to somewhere like the Vanguard in Hampton, where it's just a totally different room. And it's not even necessarily a different region. It's just a different people go there with a different mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, you're playing a brewery. I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's usually concrete and glass. It's loud. You know, there's no acoustics. They're not, you know, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a performance friendly space, I would imagine. But it's a friendly, I feel like people are very, um, so it's, it's usually a great audience. Yeah. It's not acoustically great, but it is, uh, yeah. I like playing the breweries more than playing bars. Sure. Just well, a different, just very different vibe. People seem to be, 
there to have it's usually a little earlier in the day it's earlier people are kind of evening drinking rather than late night getting drunk yeah you're not competing with tv you know tv screens probably um i mean you're probably still dealing with kind of you know people that are chatting because that's just what people are doing they're meeting up yeah Um, yeah and you probably have your work cut out for you um just just from being a, a soloist as well right you have to you have to wear all the hats musically yeah but um yeah my point was more you know on the fact that i think it's a good thing for all musicians to think about just you have to read your audience and you have to you have to follow them or you have to go where you think they want to go and it doesn't always work a lot of times you have to you know cast in different directions and like oh maybe they really don't like classic rock like i'll try a country song like oh they don't like that either and then you try you know blues and you might finally find something that they react well to <laughs> you might find nothing that they react to and you're just like well i'm just gonna play whatever i want yeah and the, and, and and it kind of goes back to, to what keep it fun yeah you were saying is it, it all depends on it's hard to read a crowd sometimes sometimes when they're just like nothing there it's you know you think you're not connecting with them but you're actually really connecting with them because they're really concentrating on what you're doing and and it does have to do with uh region as well in terms of how the east coast crowd is much different than the west coast crowd um and, you, and then you do have people who are like bouncy and into the music and want to dance and then you also have crowds that they just in the back of the room they're just stand there with their arms crossed and they just stand there and they listen those to the, you those are the musicians <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right yeah don't talk to me i'm trying to watch what he's doing I need right. To see his fingers right right the, po- the poker face musicians with their that, arms folded that's right <laughs> waiting waiting for the singer to quit singing so carter will solo <laughs> Uh, it's funny it's it's so true though i mean there's so many different kinds of fans out there that you have to kind of just try to gauge yeah yeah i mean and and we you know we i think we have you know we have we have i always joke that you know carbon leaf is like you know depressing lyrics with a really you know up you know with a really you know plucky beat i don't know um you know, we, we, we try to strike a balance where we're not taking ourselves seriously, you know, um, but, but we're, we're also not just playing to the crowd and, and being afraid to play the songs, um, that, that we've written and tell a kind of a more of a balanced story of, of what we, what we have and what we do. And I think, after making set lists for so many years, I mean, there's just, it, it really, you know, the order of how you put things out really does make a huge difference in the night. Oh, and, yeah. um, and so we've gotten pretty, pretty good at kind of knowing, knowing what to do there. And, 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 and that certainly helps, you know, out of uh, curiosity, where does the name carbon leaf come from? We, uh, so when we formed in college, we hadn't played out yet. And it was, I think it was, um, spring getting in the spring semester. And we were, Terry and I were taking a rafting trip with a a school sponsored rafting trip and coming back from the trip, we were like, we got to come up with a name. We, you know, we've got a, we have a, you know, some gigs coming up on Mm -hmm. campus. And, um, 
one of them was going to be this this girl friend of ours was having an off-campus thing and she wanted us to play on her porch and we're like we need a name you know we got to start thinking about this you know and we were just driving through the woods and just you know looking out the window and just riffing on whatever came to mind and i was like carbon leaf and uh you know we kind of thought about it we're like well that's kind of interesting but it was basically two random words kind of thrown together that evoked an interesting image yeah and um and of course our you know when we brought it to the guys carter's always fine with whatever um i think palmer was fairly indifferent our bassist at the time Uh, our drummer didn't like it at all (laughs) there's always always one (laughs) and um and so I think we had spent a little bit more time meeting about it and trying to come up with lists and we would write them down and, and we couldn't agree on anything. And then the girl that was high, you know, that was having us basically just, um, decided to put carbon leaf on the poster. Cause she had heard, you know, we were like, well, we're thinking about this one name. We're not sure yet. Mm -hmm. So she, I think she made up posters and put her on campus that carbon leaf was playing. And from there, we just were never able to recover. <laughs> right, right, right. It became our name, and um, we weren't able to come up with uh, anything better. And um, and I and I liked it. I mean, I came up with it, and uh, I thought it was I thought it evoked something interesting. And it, it kind of mirrors what what you do with art. It's like it was two random words that come together to form something new. Just like when you're creating, you're like you're putting pieces together, and you don't really have the definition yet right and and so then you said and so so basically we came up with this thing and then we set out to define it is kind of how i look at it you know so looking back carbon leaf started with just two words thrown together but with no content Mm. and and now it's kind of like this this bowl that's got this stuff in it and that's carbon leaf yeah very cool yeah i'm glad you asked that aaron yeah yeah i've always wondered that Nothing. It was nothing premeditated or deep to begin with. It was it literally just a spontaneous. It was just a spontaneous thing, you know. Yeah. Your five guys they, they get together randomly because you're at school together. There's no. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It, it was all just happenstance. Yeah. You know, I'm walking down the dorm and I I hear Terry playing acoustic guitar and 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 that's the start. That's great. You just kind of trip. You kind of trip trip into it. Yeah. And you had no intention of becoming a professional musician, I assume. No, no, I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think you wanted to do? With I your was, life? I mean, I was, I was all set to be um, uh, an actor and a, a filmmaker and a screenwriter, and that that was what I that was what I was doing um, in college, and um, and uh, that's that's that was kind of be my kind of path. I didn't have any plan, but I was doing theater and I was into writing and I was, I was into wanting to do that. And, um, and then just got, you know, I mean, I'm writing and performing, but it's just in a different space. You get sidetracked. It's a good sidetrack. <laughs> I, I, who knows? I guess. Right, right, right. Just kind of, just kind of go with it. <laughs> I could have an Academy award right now, but I'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you did. What well, I, I did see that you played. You did play a role in a movie at, at one point, right? 
they had uh, they they filmed Lincoln, the movie Lincoln here, Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah, yeah. In I saw that a month ago. Yeah, 2011, and um, they had local auditions for um, principal parts that that weren't the you know the major leads. You know, right, right, right. And I, I auditioned and I got a I got a part, and um, so yeah, it was ten days on set. Um, my part got cut, but um, it was just a little thing. But um, I I got to grow a beard for uh, eight months, so that was fun. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to see them work. I could actually see you if you grew out your beard longer and dyed it. I feel like you could wear the top hat and you could get the Lincoln, the Daniel yeah, Kaluuya look. Could, yeah, I'll have to show you a, a picture of me that looking looking a lot like I was actually Abraham Lincoln at a show once back in when we were opening for Fighting Gravity back in like two thousand. It was like nineteen ninety nine. It was a Halloween show. And uh, I dressed like Lincoln. It yeah. was um, it was kind of a trip. Yeah, because yeah, you're pretty tall too, right? You're. That's my argument is that you're... I got cut. I got cut from the movie because I looked too much like Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want to compete. That's what I. That's what I. That's the story I tell myself. Yeah, the Spielberg didn't want to confuse the audience. <laughs> Who's this other guy that looks like Lincoln? Yeah, which one? Yeah. Which one? <laughs> so you, you you've uh, you've played with quite a few uh, bands that um, saw like Big Head, Todd and the Monsters, obviously Dave like Matthews them. Band. Um, what have been some of your favorite collaborations? Well, you know it's funny we. I would say arguably that we haven't played with tons of people considering our longevity. I mean, we did a, we did a, a long, we did a tour with big head Todd. That was like maybe a five or six week tour. Um, and they're really good. Yeah. They got some good songs. Um, and have a good devoted fan base. Um, the, um, we did a we did a tour with Blues Traveler. Yeah, oh. um, and uh, we just did side stage stuff for you know like Dave Matthews and John Mayer and all. I and, and Counting Crows. I can't. I, I somehow it got out there that we that we went on tour with his guys. We never went on tour with those guys. We did a string of 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 side stage you know parking lot gigs. Okay, um, but. Um, the um you know we went on several tours with great big c which is a which was a um band from newfoundland um kind of the influences uh, when we were younger um kind of celtic uh, influenced um band and um that was a lot of fun they had a devoted fan base and we got a lot of our early uh base from you know those kinds of gigs playing for a thousand people a night you know that never heard you it was a real gift and so we did that for um several runs um uh, but other than that you know we've kind of been out on our on our own grinding it out in the cities um and just picking up people each each time through it's really hard to do nowadays you know without some kind of other you know it's not like it's the 70s where you just right you, your tour and then you know people here and the you know the 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 ease the, the the fanzine that you're coming to town and you know people people don't just really they don't just mostly they don't just come out 
uninitiated. Um, well, that kind of brings up this other idea in terms of, I know we've talked a lot about venues, but um, what about festivals since the summer is coming up? Uh, you know, again, I haven't been a huge festival band. Um, there's a certain... Yeah, there's there's a certain cachet that the festivals you know are looking for you know there's you know they're, they're the their eyes are looking towards kind of what's hot right now who's got something going on with the with the song or or um uh who uh, you know can the can the buyer make trades with with certain you know agents or labels and and say hey i'll bring on i'll bring on these guys that you're developing if we can get this guy at a certain price there's a fair amount of that going on that we're not a part of you know we're not on a label right now we don't have you know a viral video or or a song on the on the you know making its rounds right now so right. a lot of that stuff kind of comes and goes and we'll do we'll do some of the kind of more community minded festival stuff, mm -hmm. but you know, carbon leaf right now, isn't like a name that's going to be like in the Bonnaroo pot, you know, and some of the, some of the stuff that's going on um, in our region where we, where we would have value for the festival. Um, you know, we play, we play the, we play the region enough on our own uh, throughout the year where the promoters they they want you to stay out of the market if you're going to play their festival you know they'll say stay out of the market for a year and we're like well that's that's a little hard for us to do because it's a part of our bottom line so um it's like it what, what coachella it doesn't let the artists play a show within like a couple months of the festival at, at, i mean at least yeah, that would be least, brutal if you depending months. on that income. Um, well, yeah, and if you're yeah. on tour and you're promoting something, so it's but anyway, it's it's a powerful thing to be advertised like that. You know, you certainly certainly want it, but it is hard to balance if you're a, if you're a working band and you're like, look, we can't just sit around for a festival. Do you you played at Duke back in the late two thousands? I believe it was like two thousand seven or 2008 because yeah. i was there and i sadly did, didn't see you um but i'm pretty sure that was you guys that came well that was the first um, time i ever heard of you we played duke at 2008 well there you go so you were april, there april 23rd yeah it was the uh, last day of classes right i think it was think it's so. a giant party on campus yep <laughs> Um, I don't, I don't know. Where were you? I was being an idiot probably, but <laughs> I, 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 honestly, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think many people were there. If I recall, you might've been, you were earlier in the day. So I might've had class. It's very, it was actually the last day of classes, but they would have bands set up all across campus. And I'm like, they had great music. It was a really, really fun day. Um, but I remember hearing about you guys and I did wonder like who reached out to you for that or did you reach out to Duke? I don't I don't remember. Um that was two two thousand eight. Um I don't know. Someone probably just approached the agency, tell you the truth. 
I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't handle that. Yeah. I mean, it's not a huge deal, but it's just something that I personally came in, you know, I have a personal connection to you and, uh, yeah very vaguely remember that we were there <laughs> it's a very much the gothic uh you know it looks like harry potter's hogwarts oh yeah it's go- gorgeous there i love it our uh, our uh, our current our sound man and tour and um tour manager went to duke graduated from duke i think i told you that and then email yeah doug doug ross so uh we played um we played in Asheville last week um ah last friday during uh the uh game um was it was it friday uh duke played on sunday they lost to michigan state yeah but they played on friday and they against virginia tech yeah that was against tech right yeah i joked from the stage that our our sound our engineer probably wouldn't that we wouldn't sound very good because our engineer was probably back there watching the TV. (laughs) (laughs) What, uh, Oh man, where did you play in Asheville? Um, I grew up in that area. The gray Eagle. The gray Eagle. Okay. Asheville's a great, I love Asheville. Yeah. You grew up there. I grew up like an 80 miles east of Asheville, kind of between Asheville and Charlotte. Yeah. But my parents live up near Asheville now, so every time I go back, I'm I try to go into Asheville at least for a day or go see a concert. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a cool place. It's getting getting a bit built up. Yeah, I mean not in a bad way. I mean it's just you know every time we go back, it's like a little bit more than just kind of a main street. It seems like. Yeah they they call it the the boulder of the east. The boulder of the east. Yeah. Kind of the the hippie town in the middle of the mountains, which are the ski town. So hippie ski town without a ski town. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. There's some skiing there, but it's it's icy. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not as you know. It makes it um, the one in uh, Charlottesville. It's called um, Wintergreen. It makes Wintergreen. Wintergreen. Wintergreen looks great after you grew up skiing in North Carolina. Yeah. Just saying something. All right. Well, Barry, before we uh, before we do wrap this up, uh, what are the future plans for Carbon Leaf? Well, we need to get some new music out, so mm-hmm. we're working on that right now. Um, we have uh, a little April run that we're doing. Um, as of Monday, we will head out and um, tour most of April, and then we're going to come back and do a try to shoot some video stuff um in may but mostly for me it's going to be um right you know writing Mm -hmm. and and hopefully recording by this late spring and summer and uh got our fall tour that's already lined up um so yeah i'd say just new, new music and videos um, which is something we haven't done enough of, so we're trying to get a plan together for that. Now, those are videos for YouTube, or what? what? Yeah, um, we want to do a mix of, of live performance videos and um, some concept videos and things like that. And uh, uh, but 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 mainly just get get all of us kind of writing. You know, again with Jesse joining us a year and a half ago, you know, we handed him a hundred and some carbon leaf songs to learn for the tours you know 
we're kind of at that level level now where it's like all right we have our show we have our catalog let's get some new music going let's you know give him a, a creative stake and kind of you know what we are right i think is, is super important and um we're excited for it because he's a super talented guy i mean he's he's the best singer in the band <laughs> <laughs> and um he you know plays great drums plays guitar you know he writes so there's tons of collaboration opportunities for us to get into and um it's been a long time since we've really been able to sit down and, and write right so looking forward to that We've got a long, long list of things to do very exciting yeah that'll be very cool to look forward to uh, hear some new material out of you guys that'll be great yeah, yeah i agree so we're working on it we really do appreciate your time um could you let our audience know where they can go to find more about you and carbon leaf uh you can find carbon leaf at carbonleaf.com or our Facebook page slash Carbon Leaf, Instagram slash Carbon Leaf. Um, at a show near you, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, awesome, perfect. Yeah, you guys are awesome. You're real. You know, you're inspiring because of your. You are out there grinding, and yeah, it's very respectable. Yeah. You're successfully grinding in a way that I can hope. I hope to get to. Yeah, well, um, I don't quote Chuck Norris very often, but you know, he he, uh, he he reminded me once to make your own breaks. So that's what you got to do. Coming from a karate guy, I guess that's what you got to do, right? Make your yeah. own breaks. Yeah, everybody needs to quote Chuck Norris more. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, Chuck Barry, have a that, great is day. That how we're gonna leave this, Chuck Norris? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. We do appreciate it. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks. Cool. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Thank Joe. Yep. yep. It was great getting to know you. All right, guys. See ya. Yep. See ya. Bye.